What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As you're listening to this recording, if you're driving to work on Tuesday, well, some Bengals veterans might be driving to work as well. And by work, I mean the Paul Brown Stadium parking lot where they will have long Q-tips shoved through their nose to test for virus. And hopefully they all come back clean. The Bengals have had one rookie land on the COVID illness report. They also made another roster move and Von Bell has spoken to a national outlet in terms of taking on a leadership role in telling people don't go to clubs. Think about the team, put the team first. We'll get into that message and the rest of the league wide updates and how those impact the Bengals to start the show. Then we're going to start our training camp preview, our positional group preview as training camp is officially set to begin on Tuesday with a series of COVID tests before players start conditioning. That gives us plenty of time to go through the position groups. Today we're going to get started with the ones on offense that are very cut and dried. This is quarterback, running back, and tight end. Very little drama at these positions. So we'll get into those position group previews in segments two and three. But first, let's get started by covering some news, including some roster moves, and a newcomer taking on a leadership role. And let's get started with Von Bell, who spoke to Peter King about the responsibility that players have to not go out to clubs, to think about the team, and in his words, to stay in. Don't go out, stay home. Especially interesting in terms of its timing as it relates to what's happening in baseball in Miami, where eight players now have tested positive. They've canceled two games on Monday, and they're trying to figure out what to do if a team has eight players that can't take the field. The NFL, much better protocols in place, and it's nice to see some leadership from one of these free agent additions that they've brought in, and a young free agent addition that they brought in at that. Absolutely it is. And Jake, there was a lot of gloom and doom on social media on Monday morning when this came out in the Miami Marlins. And really, look, baseball has struggled to get this thing going from the get-go. The NFL isn't that. And so regardless of what happens with baseball, I'm not going to compare it to football. And I, I look at it completely differently just because, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and one of them is I do think that the testing protocol and all that stuff will be much more efficient and they will be able to avoid huge outbreaks, which who knows if baseball is able to do that. So far, it doesn't look good. Um, and then the other thing is this right here. Von Bell hasn't met most of his teammates in person, and yet he's willing to go on the record to a national outlet, Peter King, and talk about how he is going to lead by example and make sure the young guys, by the way, Von Bell's 25. This dude isn't old. (laughs) Make sure that the young guys are doing what they need to do so they can stay healthy. And and I think that's important to have a good mix here because you know A.J. Green is going to lead by example, and you you know what Joe Burrow is going to bring, and you trust that he's going to do the right things. But there are, are 53 guys plus 16 practice squad players, and it's it's real easy for one guy to ruin it, especially when you're not in a bubble. 
like the NBA. And you, you are traveling from city to city and there is temptation to go down the street and get food or do this or do that. Got to avoid it. And uh, and that's just that that's going to be the responsibility of every NFL player. And, and that's why I think testing daily is probably the way to go here. And they may have to do that for, for most. I, I know they're only doing it for the start of training camp and then we'll see. I could see daily testing being kind of a part of NFL protocol for the 2020 season. Yeah, the protocol for now is up from two. They're doing three tests initially when players report for camp over the next four days. Then after that, they're doing daily tests for at least two weeks. And if the testing positive rate is below 5% for those two weeks, then they'll go to every other day. And if it's at five or higher, they'll go to daily testing on an ongoing basis. They also said that doctors in the league expect testing protocols to change throughout the season as doctors learn more about the virus and its transmission as testing develops further. So we could see some changes come. They've already been very agile. They've added an additional test at the front of training camp. So we'll see how things progress in the NFL. I do agree that generally it seems like the NFL has a much better safety plan in place than baseball. It seems like they're doing the right things, but there is no bubble. There, there is no NBA-like bubble for the NFL, and there won't be. So instead of the bubble approach, the NFL will have to succeed the way that other countries have succeeded. We've had 60 days of Korean baseball. We've had the European soccer leagues finish their seasons out without major incidents. Major League Baseball is the first major league to resume play and have major issues right away. So it could be that that's the exception. The fact that it's happening in the United States is what brings it to the forefront, right? And it's what's causing all of this pessimism around football. But if they do it right, there's still a chance that they can do it the way that other leagues in the world have done it. But a lot of that comes down to the players. The pressure is on the players, no doubt about it. It's up to them. Look, Jake, let's say uh, that our, our average listener works nine to five every day. Well, that's fine. Let's say they, they're going back into the office now and they're socially distanced and they have to wear masks, all that. Well, you still have a responsibility to your coworkers to not put yourself in a position where you're going to contract COVID-19 the other 16 hours of your day or on weekends. And if you're traveling or doing vacation or anything like that, taking the necessary precautions. And so that's what all of these NFL players are going to have to do. It's going to have to be a very team environment. They're going to have to come together and they're going to have to get it done because otherwise – it's going to be hard to contain, and you're going to have a few exceptions, uh, but hopefully they can get it done, Jake, because I want football this fall. Sounds like the players, everybody wants football too. A couple of moves to make note of, however, as things get closer to training camp getting underway, the Bengals waived Isaiah Swan, the undrafted free agent cornerback from Dartmouth after he failed a physical, and placed rookie college free agent Kendrell Futrell on the COVID-19 reserve list. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Futrell has the virus. The details of the reserve COVID-19 list are that if a player tests positive or has been in close contact with an infected person, they go on this list. The team cannot say whether the player is positive or not. They're trying to protect the player's privacy a little bit here. But there is a minimum period. There is testing that that player will be subjected to to come off the list. So doesn't mean he's sick but does mean that he's either been exposed or tested positive. And we'll have to keep an eye on how this affects Futrell's chances to make this team 
with a reduced roster maximum heading into training camp. Coming up next, we've got our position group preview, starting with some of the less dramatic positions on the Bengals, the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the tight ends. We'll start with why Joe Burrow won't make the team in just a minute. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked on Bengals with my guy. According to uh, Cincinnati.com's Tyler Dragon, Joe Burrow has had multiple workouts with John Ross since the draft. Now, you heard John Ross on this podcast about six weeks or so ago, seven weeks ago, and he hadn't yet worked out with Burrow um, post-draft or anything like that, hadn't had a lot of communication with him. So, Jake, this would be quite a surprise if the duo got together um, and worked out this offseason, but it sounds like that has, has been the case, whether it's in Athens, whether it was in California, I'm not sure. But uh, that would be a good sign if it, if it is true. Yeah, it's interesting that we haven't heard about this, which is why I was speculating that, oh, maybe John Ross snuck into Athens where maybe there's a little bit more privacy because you're not getting pictures of Joe Burrow throwing to his high school teammates on his Athens high school football field or the Joe Burrow Stadium football field, is it now? I think they they named it, it after him, right? So yep. uh, you're not getting any coverage of that except what Bengals.com put out a few weeks ago. And Bengals.com has also said, yeah, there were plans to get the receivers together with Joe Burrow and then COVID started spiking. And so they scrapped the plans. Maybe John Ross didn't get the memo or maybe he just was already in Ohio and was out there anyway. This is all to segue, of course, into our quarterbacks preview. And I joked before the break that Joe Burrow wouldn't make the team, which obviously is true. He's just going to be starting in week one somehow, despite all that. There's no drama at the quarterback position. The biggest question is will they carry three quarterbacks again? And if they don't, is Ryan Finley the backup? Probably. Uh, much to Bengals fans' chagrin, perhaps, after watching him be one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play in the NFL last year. Or will Jake Dolagala, the small school guy with a big arm, get his chance to be the second quarterback if they only keep two? So the, the two questions, James, are will they keep three? And if they keep two, is it a sure thing that that guy's Ryan Ryan Finley? I think so, but maybe there's some wiggle room there. I think they're going to keep three. I do. I, I think that it, it was one of the most ringing endorsements. We talk about how much this coaching staff believes in the offensive line. Well, when Zach Taylor, uh, and, and I forget who asked him, but it was an early, it was right after Dalton got released. And he said right away, without hesitation, we're set. At backup quarterback, we believe in the two young guys we got. We're going to give reps to those guys in practice and try to develop both of them. And it uh, it was a little shock that he made that declaration at that point in the offseason. You know, maybe you do that now, but it was the vote of confidence behind both guys. And obviously, Ryan Finley is a, uh, a Zach Taylor guy because he drafted him. And then you bring in Jake DeLaGala as an undrafted free agent last year. So um, they believe in them. And uh, it, it will... Uh, it will certainly be one of the position groups to watch, not only for Joe Burrow, but can Ryan Finley rebound after what was an awful, awful start? And I get it was only three games, but an awful start to his NFL career. Like I said, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback play that poorly in the NFL, regardless of their experience, regardless of the time <laughs> they've had to prepare, regardless of, of what went into it. Akili Smith, come on. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Uh, maybe. 
Ryan Finley was very bad, and I don't remember Achilles Smith. When I was watching it, Achilles Smith play, I was not as cognitively aware of what was happening on a football field as I am now. Well, the Achilles Smith thing, you you could tell he wasn't physically overwhelmed. Like he had the arm, he could run. You know, he had the physical ability. So you you could see that right away. Heck, I remember he threw a game winning fade to uh, I believe it was the Carl Pickens against the Browns. Um, so yeah, he had some skill there. I was just you know kind of taking poking a little fun here at Achilles. Yeah, I, I mean, and this isn't really nice for for Ryan Finley, right? But. I remember trying to talk about those games on this podcast and like, I could hardly watch them. I don't know if I did watch all of them. I might've watched like the 30 minute condensed version after the game and the games he started just cause like, what, what are you watching for at that point in the middle of the season when, you know, they're, they're hypothetically still trying to win. I don't know. That that was a weird time generally for the Bengals, but I, I I'm sort of with some of the fans that want to see more from, from Jake Dolagala instead of throwing Ryan Finley out there just because it's, especially at his age, I think he's 26 now. I'll, I'll double check that while you uh, react to what I'm saying. I, I don't see Ryan Finley making significant improvements from a very, very bad baseline. He just turned 25. He'll be 26 in December. Uh, so I say just, it was, hell, it was seven months ago when he turned 25. So yeah, you're right. And I, I actually, I would agree that I would want to see more Jake Delagala. And, and you talk about the the preseason and obviously it hurts Joe Burrow because he's entering his rookie year. He could get a bunch of reps, but it also hurts these two guys because if, if there's ever a chance for Ryan Finley to become anything, he needs reps clearly. Uh, you're not going to make that arm much stronger, right? He's not going to become suddenly much better in, in the areas where he's just super weak. But you, you hope with experience, maybe he could develop into a serviceable backup. And maybe that is Jake Dolagala. He, I remember him flashing last preseason. I don't really remember. And you, you would have watched more of the preseason. I, I didn't watch every single second of the preseason last year. But I remember Dolagala flashing a little bit. Did, did Ryan Finley show anything in the preseason as a rookie last year? I mean, what you saw from Ryan Finley is that he had a little bit more mobility, a little bit more ingenuity off script than Andy Dalton did. And and some of that even showed up in the regular season, but just his, his arm did not play. It just mm-hmm. simply did not play in the NFL, whether it was accuracy, whether it was arm strength, whether it was anticipation or, or, or timing. I, I don't know what exactly the issue. Well, no, I do. It was it was all four of those things in different in different times. It, it wasn't the same thing all the time for, for a large amount of those mistakes. It was certainly arm strength, but I, I do think that Jake Dolagala has a really interesting story. He's a guy that could have very easily been a big school quarterback. He had an injury that led to him not getting offers as an undergrad, as an undergrad, he, he had a lot of connections to Zach Taylor as well uh, with uh, the, the central Connecticut state family connections. So, there are reasons to think Dolagala might stick around and have a real shot. There are, are there are also reasons to think that Ryan Finley is just a backup quarterback. Let's spend a few minutes, though, James, talking about Joe Burrow. I don't think we do enough of that on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's hard to say, really. This could just be the Lockdown Burrow podcast for all I care. But Joe Burrow uh, just came in. Near the top of Pro Football Focus's third tier of quarterbacks, ahead of Baker Mayfield, ahead of last year's rookie. So PFF 
for one, remains really bullish on Joe Burrow in the NFL. And of course, he's coming off the best college season they've ever charted, probably the best college quarterback season of all time. And he is the future. He is the Bengals fans' view into the transformation of the quarterback position in the NFL to be what it has evolved into in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, where its value has only increased. Most important position in sports And we have a real treat at the top of the roster in a rookie as distinguished as Joe Burrow, a level of excitement I don't think Bengals fans have had for the quarterback since Carson Palmer came into the league. And even then, I think it it surpasses that, to be honest with you. And part of that is social media. And he's an Ohio kid, and people watched him more, and it's easier to to, to watch college quarterbacks, you know, versus it was in in 0203 when Carson was playing on the West Coast at USC. Um, But this... uh, this is a time now where as ex- as exciting as it is, and I'm not trying to be negative here because it is, and I, I think Joe Burrow has it, one Zoom call in, I was like, wow, this kid's impressive, right? At the same time, it sucks because he doesn't get a full offseason. He doesn't have any in-person anything uh, outside of maybe John Ross. He hasn't thrown his wide receivers, hasn't met any of these guys really, unless he's done it over the past week. Since he's been in Cincinnati, we know he worked out with Sam Hubbard and a few other guys. Um, but but it, it it's uh, it's an exciting time, but it's also it stinks that he's not going to get those preseason games. He's not going to be able to go through that. Um, and, and I do worry a little bit about it because the last thing you want for this fan base is an zero and three start, and Burrow has four interceptions in the first three games. And there, there's a chance of that just because there is no preseason and there's only 14 padded practices. And this is just going to be a really weird offseason where, quite frankly, and this is to no fault of his own, he might not be prepared to start week one. And that's, again, not his fault. It just might be the reality of what it's going to be like being a rookie quarterback in 2020. So I do want to watch him. I do think playing him is the way to go. I'm not saying that uh, because experience is the best teacher. But uh there's a, a lot of question marks when it comes to, to Joe Burrow. And it, really, a lot of them don't have to do with him. It has to do with all the other factors uh, that we're dealing with right now with COVID-19. Yeah, there there are a lot of things outside of Joe Burrow's control for sure. I mean, Anthony Munoz talked to Fox 19's Jeremy Rao about this as well, said it's going to be unprecedentedly difficult. You get 14 practices and then off you go into the regular season. We talked about on this podcast, what if Joe Burrow takes his first hit against San Diego in the first regular season game, his first NFL hit? Well, get to know Melvin Engram and Joey Bosa because it sounds like those are, you know, going to be the first guy. That, Who's on the inside for them? Like, yeah, that, that's Joseph what's going to happen. Or something? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what's going to happen. That's a fact now. I mean, they're not I, – I we kind of joked about it last week. Obviously, the Bengals aren't going to let him get hit in practice. So guess what? The first time he gets hit in a game is going to be against the Chargers. And that might not mean anything. And he might be able to digest everything and and be fine. It it really comes down to, as much as he seems mature, it comes down to this coaching staff and how much they're willing to give him early. Right? Because you you read what Jay Gruden and Marvin Lewis and those guys gave to Andy Dalton in 2011. I think they gave him about 10% of the playbook. I think Joe Burrow's the type of guy that's going to demand all of it. And you might want to, uh, you know, just give him about half of it here and see how he does. They gave him the chuck it up to A.J. Green if the play breaks down offense. 
I think that's probably all we have to say about the quarterbacks. There's going to be plenty more to talk about with Joe Burrow once we get some field reports, once we know anything more than just speculating, because how much can we talk about what he did at LSU, whether he's working out with John Ross, why he's not working out with AJ Green. We don't know the answers to any of those questions, but we will get answers soon. Coming up next, we're going to look at the running back position and the tight end position. Expect those conversations to be a little bit shorter. I think these are pretty clear cut with very few questions that you don't run into until you get about four deep on the roster. So we'll talk about some of those positions and questions coming up next. To sign Joe Mixon and to not sign Joe Mixon. That's the question in the Bengals running back room. At least it has been all season long, regardless or whether or not they they sign him to a long-term extension, Jake. Joe Mixon obviously going to be the lead running back in the Bengals' backfield, followed by Giovanni Bernard. I I don't think there's really any debate there. I also think Travion Williams, that's another guy who's pretty much a lock. I I think he's going to make the team. I think that's, that's pretty much it. Here would be my question, and I went back and forth on this last week when I broke down the pre-training camp 53-man roster projections. Is there a scenario where, and and we're not talking about wide receivers today, but we know they might keep a bunch of wide receivers and stuff like that, where they only keep three running backs? Because I look at that running back room, and there are a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that are eligible for the practice squad. you got an expanded practice squad. Can you get by with three running backs on the on the 53-man roster? I think that that's potentially playing with trouble. You lose two running backs in one game, which can definitely happen. You're, you're down to one for that game. I guess you, that's not a, you're not going to keep four active either way. So I guess that doesn't really matter. But then you need to get another guy up from the practice squad. I think they'll still keep four. And then you you look at last year. Did you know that Travion Williams only had two more snaps last year on offense than Samaji Pirine? He only had two more? Two more. He had seven. So Wow. So Pirine was in there for five. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so so both these guys on the roster, and, and everyone assumes that Travion Williams, a younger guy, the recent draft pick, is, is the favorite to stay on the roster. Rodney Anderson, another guy that most fans think, hey, man, if he's healthy – you guys keep telling me that he's like Joe Mixon. You look at that production. You look at their styles at Oklahoma. You guys keep telling me, you know, he flashed in the preseason big time last year. Paul Daner Jr. of TheAthletic.com has Samaji Piran making the team over Rodney Anderson today because of, of injury questions for, sure. for Rodney Anderson. And he does have to answer those questions. So outside of the off-field stuff, do we get a contract done for Joe Mixon? The biggest on-field discussion seems to be who's that fourth running back? Because I'm sorry for the guys behind Samaji Piran on the depth chart right now. Your odds are so long that, you know, maybe one's a practice squad guy, but hard to imagine anyone beating out those top five guys for a roster spot. It is. It is. It's a tough room to be in. I mean, in Samaji Piran, what he brings – um, obviously on special teams is a difference maker. And do we know what Rodney Anderson can do on special teams? He played I mean, 124 snaps on special teams last year. Did, did Travion Williams. He graded pretty well, according to pro football focus for whatever that's worth. He was on kick return, kick coverage and punt return units does not appear that he was on punt coverage units. So that is the breakdown 
for Travion Williams. Sure, but well, I was talking about Rodney Anderson because he, you're right. So, tra- so Travion Williams and um, and Samaj P. Ryan, but Rodney Anderson's a guy. One injury history, but let's say he stays healthy. You know what he's going to do if he gets carries. This man ain't getting carries. Joe Mixon is in town. So, so yeah. whoever, let's say they keep a fourth running back. You're really keeping a fourth running back. Yeah, you you know you like it if in P. Ryan certainly had his fair share of of offensive touches, specifically with Washington during his career. But he's a guy that, you know, he's capable on special teams and you know what he could bring on offense. And then uh, so you might feel more comfortable with him over a guy like Rodney Anderson. So yeah. if they do keep four, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Like, I think it's really open. Right. Uh, if you're P. Ryan, you feel good. You feel like you're better than Anderson. If you're Anderson, you feel like you're the most talented guy. And then uh, Jacquez Patrick as well. I mean, he, he played well in the. Uh, in the XFL, he's probably pretty confident now, uh, you know, the 23-year-old. So I think those three guys will compete. And, and I'm not shocked at all that Daner had uh, P. Ryan in there. That's To me, you look at experience, health, versatility on special teams, and that's probably what you're looking for in a fourth back anyways. Yeah, Samaji P. Ryan also did play 102 special team snaps in just six games in his early season tenure with the Bengals. So a lot of exposure for him there. Rodney Anderson played a little bit of special teams in the preseason, but has such a short track record that it's hard to really say what they've got there, but they did try him out there. So I, I'd agree with you that I think whoever makes this team in, in the fourth spot in particular will need to be a special teams contributor because maybe then you can even carve out a way to be active, but they have so many guys right now that are good special teams contributors. Darren Simmons has a good problem this year of, of having some pretty good special teamers to pick from. So let's, Shift gears to another position where there will almost certainly be special teams based decisions made at the end of this roster. And that's tight end where Drew Sample, CJ Uzama, chiseled into stone. Those two guys are making the team beyond that. There are some questions. Seathan Carter, surely a favorite. The Bengals love what he can do on special teams. I talk about it on the podcast all the time. I saw him burn William Jackson on a fade uh, when I was down in Paul Brown Stadium for training camp, beat him for like a 40-yard touchdown, which is kind of nuts when you're a tight end. But uh, I think that Seath and Carter, probably a favorite for tight end three. Now, do they keep four? Mm, kind of hard to see the argument right now, but they do have four guys that they ostensibly like. Mason Shrek and Jordan Franks have been on the team for a few years each. Both of them have some athleticism. Both of them show up in the preseason, and then you never hear from them again. They've got college free agent Mitchell Wilcox and European import Moritz Boehringer, who has been roster exempt for, I don't know, three years now, I think. It's something like that, three years or so. And this screams three to me. Like, I I don't know why. Like, I, I felt the same way in the, the running back room. Like, to me, you can keep Sample, Uzama, and Carter, and then a guy like Mitchell Wilcox, if he shows anything in practice – that's the perfect guy to get on your practice squad, develop him some. And that's nothing against the other guys. And and they could certainly end up on the practice squad too. I, I would just – I would have those three. Like the, it's those three and then – because it's going to come down to let, let's do it. Because I, I sort of did some of the math here. And, and like Brandon Wilson, I want him on the team, right? I So like it's that type of guy that you're potentially getting rid of if you have a fourth tight end. So what I would rather do is have a, a tight end or two on the practice squad ready to go just in case and then just only have three because there are uh, – when you try to cut it down to 53, a lot of these spots are already taken up. And when you're talking about 
as special teamer slash backup safety or, or fourth tight end. Give me Brandon Wilson, a guy who could light it up in the return game. Well, I think Brandon Wilson, not that we're talking about safeties today, is a lock. He's one of the four safeties that are, are in my opinion, written in pen right now. Sean Williams, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Brandon Wilson. Very, very likely that all those guys make the team, in my opinion. The only way one of them doesn't is if the Bengals decide we need to save money for, for some reason. And I think cutting Sean Williams would be a pretty unjustifiable move. But if you're going to see one, that would be it. I think Travion Henderson's on the outside looking in. We'll talk about safeties probably sometime next week or, or maybe early in two weeks. I, I don't know where – I think three makes sense too. Like the guys beyond Ethan Carter can probably get most of them onto the practice squad, if not all of them, onto the practice squad without it being a very dramatic event. So, so where do you take another guy? Maybe they keep an extra corner. Maybe they keep an extra offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Maybe they go seven wide receivers again. Although I think a big reason they did that last year is because they didn't have A.J. Green. And A.J. Green was also counting for a roster spot for a lot of the season. You, you yeah. also have to remember. Um, yep. So I, I can see it being three here. And then I wonder on the other side of that, where does that extra spot go? And maybe we'll turn that up in, in some of our future conversation. Because I, I think that it will be four running backs. I think that's most likely. If they keep three, I, I would be surprised in the end. And I think that given the way they use tight ends in the offense and given where the special teamers are, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see just three tight ends because then you can keep a guy like Stanley Morgan if you want to keep somebody for special teams reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And that's – I see, I already have seven receivers. I just – I don't think they can go under seven. They're, they're – they're pretty talented, man. Like, who do you who do you want to let go? I don't want to let Alex Erickson go. I don't want to let Stanley Morgan go. And you know, let's say one of those guys goes down. Well, is, is Mike Thomas just a guy? Maybe Mike Thomas is just a guy. Yes. But I, I, Zach Taylor likes him. You know who else him. likes him? Joe Goodberry really likes Mike Thomas. Joe he Goodberry was one of his draft him. guys, yeah. Oh, loved him. Yeah, I actually, Joe had me on Mike Thomas. And when they drafted Cody Core, Jake, I was – I pulled my hair out, which is why I uh, I have to shave my head now. Yep. It's all <laughs> your fault, Duke Tobin. It's Cody Core's fault. It's Cody Core's fault. It's Mike Cody Thomas Kors would have been a pro bowler had he been drafted in the sixth round by the Bengals back well, in, what, 2016? You know what? Here's his chance. He's now on the Bengals, and now he can make a pro bowl. The thing is about Mike Thomas is he hasn't even been a good special teamer in L.A. Zach Taylor likes him. That's all well and good. But unless Mike Thomas blows Stanley Morgan out of the water, if a decision comes down to one of those two guys, Stanley Morgan was an exceptional special teamer last year. And we'll talk about wide receivers tomorrow. So let's not go further down this just, path. This it, is a it just teaser. all ties together. That's it the part. It all ties together. But I think, th- I think three tight ends. I do. And that's nothing against those other guys. And we started talking about the wide receivers here. We will finish that conversation tomorrow. We'll get into the wide receivers. And depending on how things go in terms of news between now and then, we might start to take a look at some of these offensive linemen as well. Until then, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. 
Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.